0: Greetings and salutations, everybody. Thanks for fighting the What Had Happened Was podcast. It's me, Amelia Robinson from Dayton.com. In case you missed it, Wright State graduate Hannah Beekler did all of Dayton proud this weekend when she became the first black woman in history to win an Academy Award in the category of Best Production Design. Hannah was one of the masterminds behind Wakanda and Marvel's Black Panther. She had like $30 million to work with, they say. She continued a streak that started last year when Allison Janney, who of course was raised in Oakwood, won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress for her role in I, Tonya. But we're talking about Hannah right now. She has also received all sorts of accolades for her work on Futefield Station, Moonlight, Miles Ahead, Creed, and Beyonce's Lemonade. In honor of her accomplishment, I'm pulling out the talk I had with Hannah just before she was inducted into the Dayton Area Walk of Fame last year. Hannah and I talked about her career, but it didn't stop there. The What Happened Was podcast is sponsored by Cox Digital Marketing. It is now easier than ever to keep up with What Happened Was episodes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and other services. And now you can find us on the WHIL app for Roku, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. You can also find this podcast on dane.com's homepage. Here's my talk with Hannah Beekler, the woman who gave Black Panther its dynamite look. So thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Obviously, people know you from Fruitville Station first and then now Black Panther. How'd you get to that point? Because obviously you just didn't wake up one day. All of a sudden, you're doing all these critically acclaimed movies, right? How'd you get to that point? <laughs> or did you? Maybe you were already just destined the whole I mean, time to do this.
1: I, I did not wake up one day <laughs> that happened. It was many years in the making, probably about... 12 years it took me and I started out as a set dresser so I started I moved to New Orleans after I graduated from Wright State and I had family there my brother and his wife and their daughter lived there and he had said to me he's like there's some stuff going on here you know I was sort of like okay I'll, let me come down and see and I just hit the ground and started working you know I, I pounded the pavement going from production to production with my resume and did, you know, talk to people and they would lead me to somebody else and then. That's sorta of how that went down.
0: Now did you have a lot of women but, role models when you were doing that or how did you even know as a especially a black woman that you could do this sort of work?
1: Well, I tell you what, I'd always loved film and television. Like that's not always been there. It has always been there. I would stare at the T V so much that my parents would be calling my name and I would I, I would have tuned out everything but what's on the television. I remember my mom would get so mad about that. She's like, I haven't been calling your name for twenty minutes.
0: I was <laughs> just down here watching the television. But What were you watching? Like you know, so I knew I was watching Star oh. Trek. Every Star Trek series that was on. I was Star
1: watching. Trek. Then there was Battleship Galactica. Mm-hmm. I was watching Dukes of Hazzard. I was watching The Jeffersons. I was watching Sanford and Son. I was watching Fred Astaire movies. I was watching. Terrence Malick movies. I was watch anything. I would watch anything. If it kind of entranced me, I would watch it. I remember watching Spike Lee's school days. Uh-huh. And I was like, who is this character? Who is Spike Lee? You know, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is a thing. I don't, you know, and it was such an interesting film to me. It was about New York City, and I always loved New York City and it was a lot of black people, which you don't usually see in film at that point in time. I was very intrigued. So I remember kind of looking into it as much as I could, and I found Wynn thomas who was and still is his production designer has been his production designer although i don't think he did black Klansmen because Wynn was working on something else and when i saw win actually what i really realized like win was in existence was when he was working on mars attacks with tim burton and and uh, someone who i strongly admired his film work i found out when was a black man and i think what it did to for me was i realized like black people can do this they can be in behind the scenes and film and that's what made me think well of course i can do this why wouldn't i when's doing it (laughs) (laughs) you know he's he's made it this far i didn't stop him right in my mind it was like okay well that gives me something to look to that gave me the determination to, to keep going forward. So what I did, I kept going forward. And then it was just like whether I'm supposed to be doing this or not or whether it's the space I'm supposed to be in or not, it didn't really matter at a certain point. It was just what I was going to do. Right. So it was going to be harder for someone to keep me from it than just to let me do it. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> that's a good attitude um, to have I for think sure. they just
1: decided to let me do it because I wasn't going to go away. I remember that first set dressing job, and I think I called that lead man like four or five times a week, every week, till he finally just got so tired of me, he hired me. Because when he did hire me, he's like, "Are you finally gonna stop calling me?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yes, thank you. When do I start?" That's sort of how that went on.
0: When did you know you were being successful at it, though?
1: Oh, I still
0: don't know. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, you all, <laughs> I still don't know. But
0: um, I, I, th- think- I think you're successful. Mm-hmm. I'm, let me tell you that you're doing a good job.
1: I, thank you very You're much. Welcome. I think that, you know, you don't really know that's the thing. Like, I, I remember looking at people and be like, oh my gosh, they're so successful, and oh my gosh, they've completely made it, and stuff like that. And then if you talk to those people, they'd be like, ah, oh, none of that. It's interesting. I was at a panel, speaking at a panel in L.A., and I'm sitting there, and this guy's t- sitting next to me, and he's talking to me, and he was, and he was like, you yeah, know, what's your name? I was like, Hannah hey, B. And he's like, oh my gosh, you did all this stuff, and all this and he was going on about, like, Fuzil and Creed, and mm-hmm. like, like, all the stuff that I've done, and I was really, he's, you know, an older man, and I was quite taken that he even knew half of that stuff and I was like oh you know and he's like you know I production design too and I was like oh that's so awesome I'm like well I'm sorry what's your name he's like Rick Carter and I was like this is a three-time Oscar winner wow And and I literally was like okay this is this is crazy and he said to me something really important and because all of a sudden I realized, like Rick Carter, I mean, he did all, the, all every Spielberg, everything. You know, he was nominated for Lincoln, and and mm-hmm. uh, he did Jurassic Parks, and I, he's done so much stuff that has really changed the fabric of film in itself in a way. Production design. He he looked at me. his kindest of man. He was like, you know, I said, oh, I, I just feel like I'm I'm in kindergarten compared to you. And he was like, well, no. He's like, I still really don't know what I'm doing. Really, wow. And he said, when you do know what you're doing, it's probably not a job you want to be in anymore. Because when you stop learning and evolving and putting that back into your work, he's like, there's no real point to do it. And that's absolutely true. So you don't ever want to rest on your laurels. Because Uh that's not how I got here. And I think that people do that sometimes, and that what you know is the end of them is just resting on your laurels. always the work doesn't change look I realized that I must be doing better because my paycheck got bigger right Which is the truth, but I'm still very young in, in my craft of production design. I'm still relatively new, like there's so many production designers that have done so much that I still admire and look up to and try to learn from. So I consider myself someone who has successfully fallen into some good projects and meeting Ryan Coogler changed a lot for me.
0: How did you meet him, anyhow? That's the difference.
1: Uh, Well, you know, Wynn talked me off a ledge when I was feeling like, I don't want to do this anymore, and I felt like I was in a rut and everything, and Wynn called me, and he was like, you know, no, and he gives you the talk and tells you, and kind of, you know, fired me back up again, and then, like, three weeks later, you know, he gave me some really great advice, and then three weeks later, I signed on to an agent now i had been trying to find an agent for forever and it sent what i feel like is hundreds of emails to only receive a bunch of no's like we're not looking for a new client or we're not representing anybody right now and then one agency was like yeah you know we're coming to new orleans anyways to do a set visit with connect and go to breakfast and talk they saw something in my resume and saw something in me and Brought me into their agency. I'm still with the same agency. The first script they gave me was Fruitvale, and I read it, and I said yes, I definitely want to meet with this director. And then I skyped with Ryan because he was in Oakland at the time, and we talked, and it was really funny because I had put together this whole like collage of Oakland and the colors of Oakland and the natural colors that you find in Oakland and Mm -hmm. how that could play in the story. And I was really shooting from the hip because I hadn't really like interviewed with a director like this i was very nervous and we had to talk and i told him at the end i said i really want to do this job and he's like you know we're talking to some other people we'll get back with you in two or three days and let you know it's like, one way or another and then like an hour he called me back on skype he's like you're hired
0: that's funny <laughs> a couple months later drove
1: by myself across the country out to oakland and did some pet sitting and couch surfing
0: and you did some pet sitting. Food. All your pets in did. like France, well, yeah, because
1: that's how I had a place to stay.
0: Okay, and it was really
1: just like people I knew that had neighbors that were going out of town that needed their dog watched. Oh, wow. And because I did such a good job, the another neighbor <laughs> <laughs> said, Oh, she did such a good job with your dog, maybe she can. I became like the, the little town dog watcher. And I and I had place to stay. That's how that worked. I didn't have, they didn't have the money to put me up and I didn't have any place to go, but I was still going to go. Whether it was me sleeping in the car or the office or something like that. And thank goodness, you know, there was pets sitting there because I didn't have the money to put myself up and drive across the country at the same time. But I did it anyways and it all worked out. Springdale Station was all told six weeks. Okay. And for me, Black Panther was 14 months.
0: Okay, wow.
1: And uh, for Ryan, it was three years. It's quite a big difference. So that's how I met Ryan, and we just clicked. And he, he's like the, one of the greatest guys, a really important visionary and storyteller. And I know that. I knew that from the second I met him in at Fruitvale Station was being filmed and went on. I absolutely knew it, for sure. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, you don't know if you're going to talk to a filmmaker again or not, or they're going to remember you or go on something big. After Fruitvale Station blew up, I just thought, you know, he's going to go on and do other Stuff, but we I ran into him in L. A. and he said to me, he's like, oh, I'm working on this this Rocky thing. I was like, Rocky.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: And then a couple months later, he called me. He said, I want to get you out here to MGM to meet with the executives to come on to Rocky. And at that point, that would have been the biggest film that I ever designed. So I went out, presented to them, and talked to them. And they hired me on that. And then the same thing happened with Black Panther. I needed to present to them. But in between that, I had some other projects that I was doing. And Lemonade and Miles Ahead. Mm -hmm. You know, Ryan and I, he's family to me. He's not perfect either. Ryan, I always say, comes from the sun you know he's this really great person like he's such a good person he's made me a much better person and and, and it always is reminding me to give back and lift people up and, and that that's what true greatness is. It's not obtaining greatness. Greatness is lifting other people to greatness. Mm. So I have to always remember that and remember all the people that came before me and remember all the people who had to go to the bathroom in alleys and mm-hmm. pee in cups and couldn't walk in the front door and couldn't ride at the front of the bus and all of these things that all of these women and men did in the industry and kept going so I could be sitting in my office right now overlooking 6th Avenue
0: right on my glass windows
1: that's so very important to me I have a big announcement to make when I do come back um, to Wright State University for the alumni award and I was going to make it at the Walk of Fame but I'm going to do it at the other one Um, that I hope help you know lift young people up in, in, in the city of Dayton And it's a really big, it's a really big step for me that I hope grows and I can start fostering children and young people who are interested. You know, I do a play build in New Orleans, which is elementary school students who are learning how to build city grids and, Mm -hmm. and really use their creativity to create cities, which I think is really important from different perspectives and cultures to understand how cities can work in the benefit of everyone. Ryan put me there. And when I started thinking in those terms and and seeing things from his perspective and hearing the stories that he told, I got better at my craft. And as I got better at my craft, I became more recognized. So really, this is, I lay all this at Ryan's feet as to how I'm done in the last six years. We're very, we're very close friends. I hope to have a long working relationship with him
0: and a long friendship. Do you want to make your big announcement now? You can tell me. I won't tell anybody, but you can. (laughs) I'll tell you don't kill monger me see what i did there hannah's gonna get back to the announcement in just a few ticks but first i wanted to remind you that you're listening to the what had happened What's podcast did you know that this podcast is edited recorded and brought to you from the fabulous studios of whio radio it's true boo So true. So many excellent shows are produced right here. WHIL Radio is your local source for breaking news, weather, and traffic. Be sure to listen to it every single day. The What Had Happened Was podcast is a product of Cox Digital Marketing. Let this trusted and reliable advertising leader help you with your digital strategy. If you like what you hear, please like us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google, and wherever else you're listening right now. So, Hannah, what you got going on? I'm What's starting
1: a, um, a a large scholarship fund for high school students and college students in the Dayton area who want to go into communication, uh-huh. media, film, and entertainment in pretty decent size amounts. To, you know, I was a single mom. I worked two jobs, went to school full time. If it wasn't for the help from others, I would not have been able to do that. I was a computer <clears throat> student. There's a lot of that at Wright State right. where people have families and they're going back to school and you need all the help you can get, especially nowadays. And then young people who want to go into this business who don't know where to start or how to start or how to get the money. And it's very expensive even to do your projects, you know, the projects that you you do during film school and the hours that you spend that you can't work or even you are single and you don't have to help. I think it's really important that students are given a, an option to help them forward, whether it's to pay their rent or mm-hmm. bills, to pay tuition, daycare, because I got a scholarship from Wright State to pay daycare because I held a certain grade point average and my son went to the daycare at Wright State. Mini University, I think is what it was called. And he's 20 now, if that puts anything in perspective. He was two when he went there Mm. and at Mini University. That's really important to me. And it's in the name of my friend, Carol Trevina who passed away in 2007. Working on a film, she was hit by a car and left three children in Xenia. This will be through my foundation, Chinchilla Films Foundation, in Carol Trevino's name. The starting scholarship fund is twenty thousand dollars.
0: Oh, that's amazing! So, is it going to be just to Wright State? Is it going to be a scholarship too? For
1: high school students as well. So, the high school students within the Dayton area, Colonel White, Stivers—you know—it's really for kids in low-income, high-crime areas, and again for Wright State students as well. So, it'll be broken up into several different amounts. So, for high school students, it'll be several one-thousand-dollar scholarships, and then when you get into college students. It'll break down into a couple $5,000 scholarships, and then we'll have some $2,000 scholarships as well.
0: Well, that's amazing. So what do you think kept you going? I, I mean, know. like, you're, what was the drive that, but even before you met Ryan, obviously, you had this drive in you to push you forward and keep you going and making you want to continue doing this despite the fact that it was obviously hard to be a single mom raising a kid and trying to pursue a dream. What kept you going, or where does that come from? I
1: don't know. I think... The feel, I think the big piece of the feel was that I was told I couldn't do it. I wouldn't make it. I couldn't do it. I need to just find a reasonable job and, and just do that. And I should probably not think about, you know, having those types of dreams because I had a kid and, you know, you need to be responsible. And, and I did try that, and I realized that I was miserable, and that was not helping my child at all. Mm-hmm. So like he doesn't want me to – he doesn't want to, like – be around a miserable parent all night long who's just grinding away and I thought why I should be able to do this why not other people have probably done it and mm-hmm. I didn't really know at that point so I just did and, and I'm not one that you can tell no to I think and because I'm competitive and, and 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 I think running track and being from a sports family that's where that came from the competitive nature And and more in competition with myself than anything else. And I'm always just in competition with myself. Like, I'm always only trying to beat myself. You know, I'm not another designer. I'm the designer that I am. So I can't compare myself to someone, and no one can compare me to anyone else. So I feel like the only competition I have is how do I keep excelling forward? And it was just always about forward motion. It wasn't easy. I went through a lot of, you know, struggle and ups and downs and back and forth. And there were days I wanted to quit and leave and days I felt great and it was all working out you know days I didn't have any money at all and thought how am I going to pay my rent how am I going to pay for daycare how am Mm -hmm. I going to pay for food on the table I mean I had all those days so I think that anyone who feels like well I can't do that because I have to put food on the table and it was every day just being thankful that there were walls, a ceiling, a place to lay my head. My son was happy and comfortable and had good people around him. That was really all that I needed at that time. You know, I had transportation of some sort. It wasn't great, but it got me from point A to point B. And I'm still sort of that way. It's like, I don't really have, I don't really do, I'd rather give than just have stuff. So, And I move around so much now. I'm traveling all the time and and so I don't really have time to worry about the things that I have or don't have. It's really just what can I do to make the world a better place at this point. But yeah, yeah I think that the idea that any one of those things can stop you from what you want to do or from a dream that you do have—that's not the truth. Whatever anybody says, it's, it's you can do, you can do it, and there's a way to do it. You just have to be ready to sacrifice for mm. it. And that you know, people want to get to the point but sometimes they don't want to go through all the things that you got to go through to get to the point, but you do. you know. And you they want to make the Black Panther, but the they film. don't want to do
0: all the extra stuff to actually get to the point where you can do that kind of stuff.
1: Exactly. And you're going to put in time. If you want to be in the industry and be successful, you need, you're going to need to just know that you're going to put 10 years in the slot immediately. And, and that's what it takes. Overnight successes are never overnight successes. No matter how much you think that they are, they are not. And, and, and the other thing that I have learned is to work with talented people who align with your aesthetic and your perspective and your worldview. And, and, you will, and then you will be successful as well. But it was always just move forward. Just mm-hmm. keep moving forward. Even when you don't think you can, keep moving forward. And that's what I did. I still tell myself that every day. And I tell other people that all the time. Just keep moving forward. You may not know how right now, but it will happen. I mean, I don't know how many days or weeks or months I spent watching Oprah waiting for a message. <laughs> that This is how it's all done. And it never came. And then, oddly enough, when I tell this story, it's really funny. I was watching her show one day and i'm like i'm never watching this show again because she hasn't told me how to be successful right (laughs) and she had madonna of all people on and she asked her how did you get from you know michigan detroit to who you are now and she said something that that has stuck with me to this day and this was shoot this was 20 some odd years ago that i heard this on television she said I needed to make a change, so I made it. No, oh. It really is more simple than you think. Mm. I thought about that for a really long time. You know, weeks, I was like, just make it. That seems too easy, too simple. Like, there's got to be more to it. Like, I got to look, some, you know. And then I finally thought to myself, just make it, just do it. Just move. Go back to Dayton, go to the right state. It's all right there. Get up and go. Quit your job. You'll find another one. Take Dominic. You'll find an apartment. Just make the change. And that's how I kind of make every change.
0: Just do it. So what were you just doing before you, you made make that decision? Change, do it. Were you like uh, working in a... I, I was working at Hasbro Toys. I was a secretary. I was
1: like 28. I just had my son. I lived in a little apartment. I had nothing. I had nothing. And I was just one day at work, thought, all right, this is it. And I started making phone calls and figuring out how to apply to Wright State and what the program was. And uh, I went up there to do a tour of the film program for which the professor, Dr. Derry, said to a group of eight kids and myself (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> it was like, you know, a bunch of 18-year-olds and then me and another guy, Jeff, that I'm still friends with to this day. And Dr. Derry said, I want everybody to look around this room. There's only eight of us. And he said, look at the person to your left. Look at the person to your right. Mm-hmm. That person won't be there by the end of this program. Only he said, two of you will make it through this program. Mm-hmm. will graduate out of this program. And one of you might actually make it in the industry. Well, Jeff and I graduated the program. <laughs> yeah. And when he said that, that was also another, like, competitive challenge of, like, I'm going to be the one that makes it through. Right. And then I thought to myself, I'm going to be the one that makes it in the industry. And while there's several people that that were in my class that have made it in this industry and are doing very well, not just myself, you know, that was very sobering thought. So there's all these little things. The other thing I learned early on that I think is a great piece of advice for people, but I had to learn it the hard way, is when your gut tells you something. Listen to it. I still have to like remind myself of that. Like, oh, should I take this job? Should I take that job? And I have to just sit with myself and listen to what my gut is telling me. And it's pretty much all right every single time. And when I don't listen to it, I pay for that. And then I always, oh, I should just listen to myself. You know? Right. So I'm, le- I'm still learning. You know, I'm still evolving. I'm still finding my voice and figuring out who I am. Because deep down, I don't really feel like I'm any different than I ever was. And Panther was just a journey. It was a journey of my soul and of the, the journey on the thing that I love with people I consider family. So it wasn't really about like we're making a Marvel movie. It was about I am taking a journey to bring something to people who haven't seen it.
0: Right. Now what do you think the ultimate story of the Panther is going to be years from now? What do you, How do you think people are going to look at that movie? I
1: don't know. That's a great question. I think it will be just the movie and I hope, but what I think it will be is people will remember it as the movie that changed the dynamics of who gets to tell stories. Okay. And and who's in film, like what a tent pole film is. How it really changed the climate of film from just an experience that you go to to a movement.
0: Mm. Well, I'm going to tell you, like, when I interviewed you you're, before the movie came out, I was just like, oh, this is going to be a great movie, but I didn't, had no idea what the movie was actually going to be. It was, like, <laughs> it was life-altering. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I know for a lot of people, felt um, that same kind of way. Did you guys see that coming? I'm
1: comment? glad, because mm-hmm. I hear that a lot, and I think that's because we, we were all on the journey, and we were on the journey that we wanted everyone else to take. Little did we know. Mm-hmm. That movie is filled with Every inch, every cell, every outpouring of love from every single filmmaker on that film. And I think that is partly why people respond to it the way that they, they did. Like we worked and breathed that. I became that film. You mm-hmm. know, I always would tell people though. I'd always say um, when I was, you know, scouting and stuff, and people would be like, "Where are you from?" I'd be like, "Wakanda, man. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that at? It's a country in Africa. Oh, okay. I, don't, I haven't heard of that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's there. I'm not. Not many people know about it, but.
0: It's one of the smaller ones, but, um, right? <laughs> your very fiber of your being becomes that.
1: You breathe it. You you don't sleep. You're up all night working and talking with Ruth, talking with Brian, talking with Rachel, the DP. Ricardo, the costume designer, Rachel mm-hmm. Morris, the DP. It was every second of every day that you are working to make to ensure and make sure that what you are doing is telling the right story, is telling a story is doing right by what we're trying to create, is doing right by the people who will come to see it. That is changing a narrative of a country that's narrative has been bastardized, changing the narrative of a people of this country whose narrative has been bastardized. Yeah. And then putting all of that into one film and saying that you can be Killmonger and you can be T'Challa at the same time. And that there is no guilt in that because you can feel angry, but you can always do the right thing. The thing is, is that at one point you will have to kill the anger in order to move forward. That was really the story.
0: And what's funny about it is like a friend of mine, she goes around the world and she's like, we should go to South Africa. And I was like, I don't really want to go to Africa. (laughs) For the same reasons that Killmonger uh, kind of brought up, you know, kind of like uh, Africa, where were you when they were sending us across this, the uh, ocean? So it was kind of, kind of anger almost against Af- Africa that I kind of had for a uh-huh. long time. That I think a lot of people have, or that and also is a kind of embarrassment of Africa that you didn't do more in that. In certain incidents, you did in fact participate in it. So it's exactly like that, that complicated relationship Black Americans have with Africa. It's just like I've never it seen it. It
1: is, and I, you know, if you hear Ryan talk, that's definitely
0: what it is. Sliding in real quick to tell you about the latest podcast in the Cox Media Group family, be sure to check out Dayton Daily News investigative reporter Josh Swagger's new show, The Path Forward, Dayton Schools. In this podcast series, Josh talks with experts, leaders, and members of our community on the challenges facing Dayton Public Schools and how to address them. Like the What Had Happened Was podcast, you can find The Path Forward on Google Play, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Cast, A.K.A. iTunes. She can't stop and she won't stop. Hannah's about to break down what she's working on right now.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm working on a pilot for FX with Melina and directing and Rodrigo Pietro. DPing, and it's called
0: Why the Last Man, and it's based on the graphic novel. So it's more work with sort of illustration.
1: Yes, the original, the source material, yes, is a comic graphic novel, yes. I mean, it's based in the world of the graphic novel, which isn't the comic, but it's not, you know, it's a more, graphic novels are generally more serious in tone. Why the Last Man is based on an event that, like an apocalyptic event that happens where part of the population dies, for unknown reasons.
0: So Hannah, you grew up in Centerville, right? Did, uh, yeah. Did you intend to be a part of the movie industry, or what did you think you were going to be when you were a kid? Uh, probably a fashion designer was the thing that I thought that I would would go into. Why do you think
1: you wanted um, to do that? Well, I had always wanted to do it, and then I went to school uh, in DAP at the University of Cincinnati for it, and yeah, and 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 then I, you know, as I got Sitting in college a little bit and you know, kind of decided that's not really what i wanted to do and you know like most kids you sort of go away from the thing that you thought you wanted and sort of discover what it is that you want to do and then and yeah so what that's were it. you go for it
0: what were you like in um high school were you like the fashion kid in high school or popular kid
1: Oh, I was definitely
0: not popular.
1: I was was not popular at all. I mean, I guess in high school, you know, I ran track. All the kids in my family were in sports and I kind of come to myself. I had like one friend. I guess I was considered one of the strange art kids. High school wasn't easy. I was bullied a lot. That wasn't easy. So I was happy to be done with it (laughs) (laughs) that was sort of how that ended it was like "Eh, I'm happy to be done with it everything being a teenager kind of is in a sense of like going through all of that kind of struggle and figuring out who you are and and having friend drama and things of that nature but I was I would say that I was I was sort of extroverted and loved art and love to dance and love music and ran track and I was a cheerleader for a hot second, but, you know, hung out with like the skateboarders and the art kids and stuff.
0: Oh, and that's like what, like the jocks and like the, those type of people, were, were those the ones that were picking on you or was it other, other folks?
1: Um, there was a lot of, I guess you would, if you had to say in a category, the jocks were not kind, <laughs> <laughs> not, not very kind. Uh, to me and and um, yeah so but you know hey, yes, I'm, yes, I'm doing yes. fine now
0: oh there you go boom right
1: <laughs> yeah that's all you know at this point that's all that matters I made it through you know it wasn't the end of the world like it feels like and then you keep going and you learn lessons and the best thing to be able to do is have hindsight and and, uh, grow
0: as all. So you started off doing the fashion thing, right? How'd you make the switch Uh to doing movies or wanting to be a part of movies?
1: Well, after I kind of got out of the fashion thing, you know, some friends of mine in Cincinnati, Ohio, where I had a lot of friends that were in bands, you know, again, it's sort of all the misfits came together and, we would go and listen to them play, and one of my friends, Dana, said to me, she's like, you know what, we should make a music video for one of her songs in her band, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, it's awesome, and I kind of did all of the things that, like, oh, maybe we put this over here, and then maybe we hang this up, and maybe this happens while you're doing this, and then the, we didn't have words for what we were doing, we just knew, like... It's kinda how it has to work. And then we did this called Girl Posse, this little like Colt type switchblade sister type uh mm-hmm. grindhouse film. We bought some eight millimeter cameras at the Goodwill and then we ordered some film off of the uh, back of a magazine, I, not off the internet because I didn't have it then. Figured out by reading at the library how to like string up eight millimeter camera and didn't always do it right and found a place that would de- develop the Kodak film and we watched it on projectors. We bought it at the thrift store and then we manually cut the strips together at the cable TV place down in Cincinnati and, wow. and uh, made this little little movie and her band did the music for it and I think it was kind of that was it after that
0: so this is like old school hardcore just getting it done like back in the day sort of work
1: yeah 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 it was a lot of fun we kind of ran around in gorilla film shots and stole shot from um off the street, and we'd get out of the car, and we'd be all in hair and makeup, and we'd <laughs> have somebody walk down the street, and we'd have our eight millimeter camera, and then jump back in the car, and so they kind of did it that way. And I thought, oh, you know, I went and worked at Hasbro Toys down there for a while, and then I saw it sort of on a bigger scale because they did a lot of work with Lucasfilm and Warner Brothers and whatnot. And I was like, you know, this is something that I think I can do, and that's when I had the idea to go to.
0: So before that, you weren't even going to go to film school. You're just kind of like trying to figure it out. Sounds like
1: still trying to figure out. What it was, yeah, like what what were we doing? I was kind of taking the role of the art director, even though I didn't know that's what it was called. Mm-hmm. At the time, so we kind of like kind of figured it out that way. But it was it was great fun, and I thought, well, I wonder if I could do this for a living. And there was an art about it as well. It wasn't just like running around having a good time. Like we were really trying to create something that said something about who we were as people and women throughout time. In a way, you know what I mean. Like in a way, we were saying a lot about like women and what women were through time, and mm-hmm. and sort of taking up black exploitation, like the grindhouse wow. films and films of the 60s and sort of throwing it all together, the silent films and putting them all together. It was pretty cool. And then that's when I thought, oh, I want to do more of this. That's when I got into, that's when I got into Wright State.
0: You remember that song was even called? I'm sorry? Do you remember what the song was called?
1: It was called Girl Posse. It was was the name of the...
0: Oh, it was actually called Girl Posse. uh,
1: The song was and the movie was called Girl Posse as well because it was like seven women and we were each from a different time period. So my character, you know, we all had something to do in the film, but as far as like who was shooting the film and who was directing the film and all of that stuff, but we were all in it as well. So my character was Shaniqua Stanwick, and Shaniqua I was Stanwyck. the sort of black exploitation sort of Jackie Brown character. Uh, and then a friend of mine, Melanie, was she was a very tall blonde, you know voluptuous blonde woman, and we made her her character was Smokescreen, <laughs> and she was sort of the Jane Mansfield character. And my friend Dana was sort of the silent film star. And then we had the Switchblade sisters, Rudy and Trudy, represented the 60s. So we really had every time period of what women were stereotypically represented into this film. And then we go and we brought in sort of the cult vibe to it and the grindhouse vibe. And then the girls go on this wacky adventure to save their friend who is missing, who you never see throughout the whole film, Misty. So they're trying to find Misty.
0: That's neat. Okay, I didn't ask you about the Dayton Walk of Fame thing at all, which is oh, right. why I was trying to get a hold of right, you. Right, right, right. What, yes. what, how'd you find out about it?
1: Carrie O'Reilly called me and told me about that, and I just think that's great. I've known Carrie for a very long time. Uh, we actually both went to Wright State. She lives there right now in Dayton. She was has been there since the beginning with me. Pretty much, she was the first person that hired me as a designer. So this was all her doing. It's all her fault. Just kidding. And, uh... So that was really how that happened, and she called me and and told me what was going on, and I just think that it was such a, a great thing because my father has had his business on Brown Street since the night since 1970 when he started Mark Beekler Associates, architecture firm on Brown Street. So it's been a part of our lives forever. Is he still there? Um, no, he my father actually he actually passed away last year oh, uh, while I was working on Panther. He retired probably. 15 years prior to that, the business was still there under his name. But in the last five years, I believe that it has now just been disbanded.
0: Okay. So it it means a lot to you to come back and um, get this honor from your hometown.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's it, it's pretty, mm-hmm. it's pretty important. And I think that, you know, it's also to honor of my, my father. It's also an honor of my father, because like I said, he was an architect. And I kind of like moved away from I don't want to build it. and I'm not, that's not what I do. You know, I'm a fashion designer. And don't you know, is <laughs> exactly what I came back to. Mm-hmm. Is is doing what and he was able to before he passed the come on set and see what I do and he gave me his standards book that he, he went to Miami of Oxford, um, in architecture that he had that book since his freshman year. College, and that would have been in the early 50s, I believe. You know, was this something that we had suddenly in common? And that was pretty important, you know. So, this whole thing of the and Walk of Fame, and I think my dad would be pretty proud.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And so, the last thing is the show is called What Had Happened Was. So, um, <laughs> If you repeat, if you say the sentence, what had happened was just finish the sentence. Like what had happened was. You want me to finish the sentence? Yeah, I want you to say what had happened was about and then t- anything. Yeah, anything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know you can get
1: yourself in trouble with, with me
0: doing that. And I'll say something crazy.
1: Um, okay, go ahead.
0: So you say you you have to say what had happened was. And what then t-
1: had happened was, and then you want me to tell a story? Yeah. Oh, okay, so we're doing this. Oh, goodness, I don't even know. Okay. <laughs> so what had happened was when I got off the plane and... <laughs> now you going to have me cracking <laughs> So what had happened was when I got off the plane and drove across the tarmac and they take me to the hotel, we hit a bump, I turn around with a snake. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's always a snake. You'll
1: have to decide if that's true or not for yourself.
0: (laughs) I'm gonna say yes, it's true.
1: (laughs) That's so funny. That's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um. Wow. Thank you so much. I mean, thank you for coming on. I I appreciate it. Will always hold a special place in my heart. I'll always want to come back and you know I often come to Wright State and talk to the young people coming up in this business and and I don't want to live in a world of firsts anymore so if I can knock down a few doors and push up a couple glass ceilings for then the next generation which is the most important generation then I will Uh, because you know my son's a part of that generation and it's on us to make this world a better place for them. So I'll do what I have to do until the day that I die, and that's what had happened.
0: <laughs> so that's a better what had happened was, even in the snake, and the snake was pretty good.
1: I had to level up. I had to level up. See,
0: I like the transition so, you did, yeah. too. You transitioned into a positive <laughs> sort of statement. Uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> Appreciate right, it. right. Not your first rodeo, yep. Boy, hey, not my first rodeo. <laughs> Boy, thanks a lot for coming on. I really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you so much, Amelia. I super enjoyed it. I hope to see you out at the Walk of Fame and um, can't wait to be back in
0: Dayton. Now, wasn't that one of the best what happened was this? Anyone has ever shared on the What Had Happened Was podcast? I think so. Thanks a lot for listening in. We have some great episodes coming up. Be sure to tell everyone you know about the What Had Happened Was podcast. What the heck? Run into some strangers, make them friends, and tell them too. Until next time, bye bye.